high above all nations of the earth. You'll hearken to the commandments and observe them and obey them. God will set thee on high. Verse 2, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou the, shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. These are words from God to his people Israel in the book of Deuteronomy about how God promises blessings. And actually four times in the book of Deuteronomy in four different places, God says that those who will obey him, we, he will bless them in everything to which they put their hands. And chapter 14, verse 9, chapter 15, verse 10, chapter 23, verse 20. And then in this passage that we just read in your hearing, says that God will bless his people that obey him. Everybody said amen. This is the blessed life. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us today, open our hearts to receive from your word and to gain understanding and insight thereby. In the name of Jesus Christ, we asked it and we promise to give you glory today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you and you may be seated. When we talk about the blessed life, last week we just mentioned to you that the blessed life is not the rich life or uh, high-flying wealthy life, and it's also not a life without problems. But it is a life that wherein God's blessings begin to permeate every aspect of a person's life. They begin to recognize God's blessings even in their health and in their relationships. They recognize God's blessings in their work and they see it showing up in their family. God's blessings become evident in their emotions and in their thoughts. So when we talk about being blessed, it actually means having supernatural power working for you instead of against you. Really simply, the Bible talks about being blessed or being under a curse. Blessed means supernatural power working for you. Being cursed means having supernatural power working for you against you. Now let me share with you today this principle or this idea. And that is that the devil or the enemy of your soul does not want you to hear this sermon that I'm going to preach to you today. He doesn't want you to get this lesson that I'm going to impart to you today. He does not want you to embrace the blessed life. From last week just by way of reminder, I want you to remember that giving is an important part of a blessed life. And the reason giving is important is that when we become givers, we become like God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And when we are givers, our giving puts us in God's current. We're not fighting upstream any, upstream any longer, but we're flowing with God's blessings. And uh, one of the fundamental features of the blessed life that we saw last week from the life of Abraham was God said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. This is always the case. 
God never blesses just to make our life posh or comfortable. When God blesses, he only blesses so that we can be a blessing. So if you are a container instead of a conduit, you're not going to become a recipient of God's blessings. But when you become a conduit, meaning there's an opening on the receiving end and an opening on the giving end as well, then God's blessings can begin to flow through you. Amen? Remember also... That when we teach about giving, when we teach about finance and money, it's biblical. And it is, uh, uh, it is the correct priority to focus on. The Bible speaks about prayer 500 times, speaks about faith 500 times, but it speaks about money and wealth and resources and materialism over 2,000 times in the Word of God. So for a preacher to preach faith and prayer but not preach about giving and money, a person's money, he's ignoring the larger portion of the Word of God. And the Bible tells us, instructs us uh, to give the full counsel of the Word of God. Also from last week, I want you to remember that giving is enjoined with blessing. Everybody say giving and blessing. Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's blessed to give. So giving and blessing are enjoined together. Also from last week, I want you to remember that it's not about the money because God's the one that initiated giving and he's not broke. In fact, he has everything. He owns everything. And so he didn't instigate giving because he had need. He instigated giving because he wanted our hearts to be changed from their natural default position of selfishness to having a heart like Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for many. When we hold instead of give, when we trap instead of releasing God's blessings through us, we are in a contradictory position to the nature and the personality and the, and the character of Jesus Christ. Amen? Also remember last week we said that the Bible declares that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if your focus is investing into uh, uh, certain areas, then that's where your heart is going to go. Wherever your money or your materialism or your time or your talent or your treasure is invested, that's where your emotions are going to be followed. Ever wonder why you're not pumped up about the kingdom of God and why you're not excited about what God's doing, maybe you're not investing yourself into the kingdom because once you invest yourself in the kingdom, then you want to see revival. Then you want to see a move of God. Then you want to see the church flourish and prosper and move forward. Amen? So today, my title for today is, it's a test. It is a test. How many like tests? Man, I, I, I saw two hands of people that like tests. And uh, so most of us don't like tests because they remind us of school, college, or high school, or grade school. Or maybe it reminds you of the driver's test that you had to take at the DMV after you waited in line for three hours. Uh, and uh, so the purpose for a test is to find out what you know, to find out if you learned the lesson that was taught or if you know how to apply the learning that's been given. Anybody remember old calculus or algebra tests where you had to show that you could do what you had been taught, where you could apply it? Did you know that God gives tests? Amen. The Bible gives us evidence many times that God tries us or 
tests us. And what God is trying to find out is basically the same thing. Did you learn the lesson? Can you apply the knowledge? How will you respond when this happens? The Bible says, don't think it's strange when you go through a trial. Don't think it's strange when you've been tried. And tests aren't designed to destroy you. Sometimes you get to school and you find out that there's a test and you get, you get this kind of just uneasy feeling. But tests aren't designed to destroy you, but they are designed to refine you and make you better. Amen? Most believers don't realize that God gives us a test. About every couple of weeks, God gives us a test. Um, how, how many of you, well, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but how many of you get paid once a week? Or how many of you get paid every other week? Some people are paid bi-weekly. Some people are paid monthly. How many of you never get paid? <laughs> okay. Every time we receive a paycheck, actually, it's a test. It's a test. And the test is, when we receive from the fruit of our labor, the test is, who are we going to thank for our provision? Who are we going to have gratitude to for our income? The test is, do you believe that the money is yours? Or do you believe that you're actually a steward of the resources that God puts into our hands? And so today when we talk about the test, we're talking about something called tithing and tithing is a test the reason why we're talking about this is i believe from studying the word of god that this is the first step to a blessed life amen in fact tithing is the only issue in the bible in which the lord openly invites us to test him and probably one of the most popular passages of Scripture on tithing is in the Old Testament right before the New Testament. The final page or a page before, just 15 verses before, I believe, the transition between the Old Testament to the New Testament in the book of Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. You guys are going to learn some cool stuff today. You're going to get some insight today. Anybody ready to have your brain stretched today? Anybody ready? Amen. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, it starts out, and we're going to read through verse 12. I'm going to comment as we go through. Verse 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Amen? The Bible starts out by saying, I'm the Lord, I do not change. Why does God not change? Because he's only got one outfit. No. God doesn't change because he is perfect. And when something is perfect and is perfect in its nature, it's not going to change. And so he's saying, I'm the Lord, I do not change. Notice he prefaces, prefaces the comments he's about to make by saying, I do not change. Verse 7, even from the days of your father, Ye are gone away, thank you, from mine ordinances. Everybody say ordinances. Ordinance comes from the word ordinary. 
which means an ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior, something that should become ordinary in your life. You are gone away from mine ordinance and have not kept them. Return unto me. And this is the theme of the book of Malachi. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye say, wherein shall we return? And notice that phrase, saith the Lord of hosts. That appears many times in this passage. So the question is, God is saying to them, you have not kept mine ordinances. I'm asking you now to return to me and I will return to you. And you say, how should we get back? What, what do we need to do? How do we return? And then in verse 8 it says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? The answer, In tithes and, and offerings. So they're asking, How did we leave you, God? How have we left your ordinance? How have we robbed you? And the answer is, in tithes and offerings. In verse 9 it says, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. God says, Ye have robbed me because you have not given me, Israel, the tithe and the offerings. And verse 9 says, Ye are cursed with a curse. Now it doesn't say here that God is cursing them. The point is they have chosen to put themselves under a curse. God did not curse them. They chose this destiny. Verse number 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may, that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed for ye shall be a delightsome land or delightful land, saith the Lord of of hosts. And so God says, I want you to return to me. The way that I want you Israel to return to me in the book of Malachi here is to bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, that there may be food in my house. God says this is the reason for tithing, that there may be sustenance and food in our house of course the whole book of malachi is about returning to god about returning in our faith returning in our family and returning in our finances and obviously as it said as we read in verse 8 he said <coughs> sorry verse 7 that i will return to you as well so the issue here in Malachi chapter 3 is as God's people, God said you have a choice of either a blessing that you can't contain or a curse. To make it real plain, if you read what I read, it's real simple. 
If you tithe Israel, you will be blessed. If you don't tithe Israel, you will be under a curse. Now, as pastor here, I want to give a disclaimer today because I know that this will help you. I know that this principle has the power to change your life. Amen. And there's a lot of resistance to this principle. There's a lot of resistance to this teaching. And there's two reasons why there's a lot of resistance. And the first one is because the enemy wants you to be cursed. The enemy doesn't want you to operate in God's blessings. So he will concoct and build and produce any argument that you can imagine against this principle in the word of God. Amen. And so number one, we've got the enemy working against us. And number two, we've got our own selfish nature living in a world that affirms that it's mine mentality. So these are two things that work against this beautiful principle of blessing in the word of God. Now I want to talk about this concept of tithing being a test. Someone said, well, why isn't Malachi chapter three in the New Testament? Missed the New Testament by 15 verses. The reason it's in the Old Testament, it's a test. Notice in verse 6, it says, I am the Lord, I change not. I am the Lord. This is a word from the Lord in Malachi. I'm the Lord, I change not. By the way, you've robbed me. So the Old Testament, New Testament, it's not two different gods. And, And it's not like an old God and then, hey, check it out. It's a new God. It's the same God. It's not like uh, in the New Testament we get a reformed God. The old mean cranky God all of a sudden got nice and now he's cool. It's the same God. God says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. So tithing is a test. And each time that you receive increase, each time that you receive a paycheck, it's a test. The word tithe literally means the number 10. Everybody know that? The word tithe means 10, where it comes from. Say, I learned something. Hopefully you guys already knew that. Tithe means 10. And when you look in the Bible, the number 10 has significance. Now, there's a study about uh, numerical significance in Scripture. They call it numerology. And uh, when you study what meaning a lot of times that a number has in scripture it's very interesting uh of course uh uh one of the numbers that's significant is the number six because it's the number of man it's the day on which man was created and uh, uh there's a, a several different instances in scripture where six is associated with humanity or humanism or and then of course the mark of the beast everybody know the number that we want to avoid six 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 of course this is a uh, uh, because it's the number of man superiority instead of divine superiority. Number seven is very significant. It's the number of, uh, uh, of perfection or the number of completion. On the seventh day, God rested. Seven is always God's number of completion. The number 40 is significant. You see, oftentimes, 40 days fast, 40 years in the wilderness, and so forth. But then there's the number 10. And, and frequently in Scripture, I've learned that 10 represents testing. The number 10 represents testing. When God began to send the plagues to Egypt, he said, in essence, I'm going to test Pharaoh. Guess how many plagues there were? 
Ten plagues. Ten tests that God sent to Pharaoh. How many commandments are there? Ten commandments. And so those are tests of obedience. Will you obey me? And uh, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 14 that the Lord that, that Israel tested the Lord in the wilderness how many times? Ten times. And uh, then when Jacob was tested by his father-in-law, his wages were changed ten times. You can check this out for yourself in Scripture. And uh, uh, Daniel was tested for ten days. In Matthew chapter 25, there were five wise, five foolish virgins that were being tested. How many did that make? Five plus five equals ten. And then in the book of Revelation, there are ten days of testing that are mentioned. And, of course, we all know that Jesus had ten disciples. Just kidding. He had 12. I was just testing you. <laughs> it's a test. 10 is a number of testing, and God chose tithing, which is a tenth, one tenth, to test us. And many Christians struggle with this very thing. And there may have been times that all of you have struggled with this in times past. It all boils down to the simple idea, either you're going to tithe or you're not going to tithe. Either you're going to honor God or you're going to claim it all as your very own. As we read, tithing equals the blessing of God. Non-tithing equals being cursed or being in a position where instead of working for you, supernatural power works against you. Now, there are some people that say, well, we can't be cursed because the Bible says that Jesus on the cross took the curse of the law for us. And that way of thinking says, well, I can live any way I want to and not suffer consequences. Uh, but even though Jesus Christ bore our sins, we still struggle with sins even after we're Christians sometimes. We still struggle with disobedience. And uh, have you ever been sick before? Anybody ever been sick? Anybody been sick after you become a Christian? Yeah, we've been sick before. But it says he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. But sometimes we still are sick. The point is that just because Jesus bore our curse does not mean that we cannot live under a curse. We don't have to, but we certainly can. So it's either a blessing or a curse. It's your call. Now, there are some people when, uh, uh, when there's uh, teaching about tithing or when they think in their hearts about the principle of tithing, they say, Tithing is an Old Testament principle under the law. It's something from under the law. And, uh, and of course, my response to that, there's several responses from the Word of God. Number one is there are many things that are under the law that are still true in the New Testament, right? Just because it's under the law doesn't mean it doesn't apply to us anymore. What if... Uh, uh, what if someone took out a gun and shot somebody and they were supposedly a Christian? And when you approach them and said, why'd you kill that person? They said, and you say, don't, don't you know you're a Christian? The Bible says not to murder. And their, their response could be, well, thou shalt not kill is a part of the Old Testament law. I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. And of course, the counter response would be, don't you understand that respecting human life and not murdering people are principles that run all throughout the Bible from beginning to end. Not just in Moses' law, but it's throughout all of Scripture. 
Now, I know that's an absurd illustration that's over the top, but I'm trying to make an important point. And the point is, is just because something is mentioned in the law of Moses does not mean that we can automatically throw it out. You guys with me? All right? And so tithing is a principle that runs all throughout Scripture. It's something that is mentioned before Moses, before the law, and it's something that's mentioned in the New Testament as well. Notice, though, what Jesus has to say about the law. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass uh, from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, notice this, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but I've come to intensify them specifically. And he said, unless your righteousness exceeds or goes beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees. See, the difference is, I want you to get this point here as we read the next few verses. The difference is their righteousness was based on the law. But our righteousness has to be spirit-prompted and it has to be in our heart, okay? Their righteousness was obeying a law. The righteousness that Jesus was talking about is something that literally gets imprinted in your heart through the Spirit. Look at verse 21, the next verse. It says, Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which is just basically a, a, a term of hatred, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire so this transition that jesus is bringing is the old testament law says you shall not murder well guess what not only shall you not murder murder but you should not have anger against your brother and speak harsh and mean things to your brother so what jesus is doing is he's amping it up some people thought that jesus came with a big baseball bat knocked, knocked the law to pieces and destroyed it Oh, Jesus said, I'm taking the law to another level, but it's not going to be because it's written on paper, but it's going to be because something changes in your heart. Amen. Because guess what? About my brother, I could refrain from killing him and not do the act of killing him, but have so much anger and hatred in my heart that my heart is sour. And Jesus is saying the issue is a deeper issue than just the conduct that can be measured. But the issue is your heart and the condition of your heart. Amen? This is the condition that the Word of God is talking about. And then in verse 27, it says, You have heard it has been said by them of old time, 
that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Think about that. The law is against the action. God says in the New Testament, through the ministry of Jesus Christ, we're going deeper than the action and we're going to the heart of the matter. And we want to make sure that your heart is right as well. Remember last week that we taught it's a principle of the heart. There are some people that have spoken, I don't tithe because I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. But the demands of grace are always greater than the demands of the law. Amen? And more importantly, God is interested in motives or the heart in the, in the, in the uh, era of grace. And so... Here's the principle. Tithing runs all throughout the Word of God. You guys still with me? Amen. I know there's uh, candy sticks that I like to hand out from time to time. Oh, that's good, brother. You're preaching now. You're preaching now. Because I agree with you. That makes me feel good. I'm like, woo, hallelujah. I know you're preaching now. But the reality is, is the preacher really starts preaching when you start getting uncomfortable. Amen? It's like, okay, all right, you got me. Come on now. And see, the point is, this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God, and I want you to grasp the Word of God because I don't want you to miss out on something. I don't want you to miss out on God's blessings. I told you last week, the Bible says my people are destroyed through a lack of knowledge. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is blight. Amen? Ignorance is a problem when you don't understand. And so here's some principles, something meaty, something that's not candy-coated, something that's straight from the Word of God that I want you guys to get. Because guess what? Whether you're a young person or a child or a young married couple struggling or a middle-aged or approaching retirement or retired, this is a principle that you need to get in your spirit and your heart so that you can guarantee God's favor and blessing upon your life. Amen? Amen. So tithing is biblical. It predates the law. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. How many realize Abraham came before Moses? Anybody know that enough about Bible chronology to understand that? Abraham was before Moses. And in Abraham, uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him. And said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So, 430 years before God gave the law to Moses in which we see the principles of tithing laid out. Abraham tithed to this very mysterious character in Scripture called Melchizedek. Everybody say Melchizedek. So instantly we see that tithing predates the law of Moses. It's not limited to the dispensation of the law of Moses, but it's something that runs throughout Scripture. So uh, according to the book of Galatians, it talks about this idea again. 
it says that Abraham is our spiritual father and this person named Melchizedek who was a king and priest during the time of Abraham the Bible says he is a type or a prototype or a foretype of Jesus Christ and then in Hebrews chapter 5 it says of Jesus he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek so think about this with me right now Melchizedek this king and priest of Salem who while Abraham was traveling and establishing what God's promise had laid in his heart, he comes in contact with this king and priest. This king and priest named Melchizedek begins to give blessings to Abraham. He speaks blessings over him. Be blessed of the Most High God. And there in this place where Abraham comes in contact with this priest, he says, I'm going to give tithe to you. And this priest was a type of Jesus Christ. A very interesting character because when we read about him in Hebrews, it says he has no ending of days and no beginning of days. This, uh, uh, this type of Melchizedek in Scripture. Is this really deep for you? You guys still waiting? Got your waiting boots on? Going through the Word of God here? And then in Hebrews chapter 7, if you wanted to go home and read Hebrews chapter 7, it describes how Jesus is a fulfillment of all the types and foreshadows in Scripture that were embodied by this man named Melchizedek. Everything that Melchizedek was in terms of typology in Scripture is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. So in essence, the Bible is saying Abraham tithed to Jesus Christ himself or a symbolic representation of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter uh, 7, verse 8, this is pretty deep, we could read it, but, but it says basically... He who lives receives tithes. Even though the tithes go to people who aren't going to live forever, it's he who is eternal that receives the tithes. And so in essence, uh, in a very real way, when we write out our tithe check uh, and we give it to the kingdom of God or write it out to Life Church, uh, we're actually writing a check in a very real spiritual sense to God himself, and it's received by Jesus himself. What a holy thing. What a holy thing. And then, of course... This is again before the law. We read the story of Jacob who had his famous encounter with God. Jacob, the one who used the stone for a pillow. Anybody else think that was kind of crazy when you were a kid? Like, couldn't you have found something better like a bale of hay or something? But he uses a stone for a pillow and he falls asleep. And Jacob, who had questionable character as a manipulator and a deceiver and uh, a greedy person focused on his own gang is out there and he has this dream where it's more than just a regular dream, but it's an encounter with God himself as the angels ascend and descend on Jacob's ladder as he has this life-changing encounter with God. His life and his heart had been changed greatly when he woke up the next morning and lifted his head off that rock. He rises up and the first thing out of his mouth is in Genesis chapter 28, verse 22, and this stone, which I set for a pillar, shall be God's house, or Bethel. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Everything, God, that I receive from this day forward, I'm giving the first tenth for you. Notice that this promise from Jacob to God came straight from his heart. Amen?
And this is what you got to see. This was before there's any law. This is before God had write, had Moses write it in the word of the law. That from his heart, he said, God, I'm grateful and I will give you a tenth. And true tithing, New Testament tithing comes from the heart, not from the law. So this promise that Jacob made to God came 400 years before the law. But like his grandpa Abraham, Jacob said, I want to give God the first fruits of all that I receive. So the first 10% of every harvest, the first, uh, the first lamb that was born, the first lamb that was born of a new female lamb would be given to the Lord, the first fruit, the first 10%. And having experienced God's presence and favor Jacob wanted to bless him so the reality of tithing is it's a heart thing tithing is life to me it's not the law tithing is life to me it's not the law and when it becomes life to you it will become one of the greatest joys of your life if you look at it as an obligation or a requirement or some stiff, grim thing that you have to deal with, uh, then you're not going to receive the blessing that God has for you. But when you understand this is my life and I'm doing it unto the Lord because of his blessings and because of his favor and because I'm grateful to him for what he has done for me, then things begin to shift and begin to change and it becomes life to you. Another principle we learn from the Word of God is that the tithe is the Lord's. It belongs to Him. It's His. Somebody say, it's His. That's why in Malachi He could say, you're robbing me. Because if, if I just keep what's mine, I'm not robbing anybody. But if I take something that belongs to someone else, then I'm robbing them. Everybody get that simple principle? I mean, I have to take somebody from something, something from somebody else to be a robber? Yeah. Hey, you're not a robber when you walk in your house and eat the roast beef in the fridge that you bought with your own money. That's not a robber. It's yours. But if you come in my house and mess with my roast beef, then you're a robber. So the point is the tithe is the Lord's. It's not mine. The first 10% belongs to the Lord. Leviticus 27 and 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. This word holy simply means separated or set apart. It's separated or set apart. Everybody got that? That's what holy means. Separated or set apart. And the first 10% of, of, of everything that we receive is to be separated or set apart unto the Lord. It's God's, it's not mine. And see, if you miss that principle, you miss the whole idea. You guys just missed it. Not your money. It's God's money. It's all God's money. Got that? It's not mine, it's God. My house is not my house, it's God's house. He can take it if he wants. He can wrap it up, turn into a bundle of sticks if he wants. He can bless it. It's God's house. Everything I have is God's. But he said the tithe is holy. That's what you return to me. That's what you don't touch. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 and 2. Read this along with me. You guys still with me? You guys are learning something today. 
When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God has given you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. Then we'll skip forward to verse 13. Then we'll come back and look at what's in the middle there. Verse 13. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have, uh, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as your promised You promised an oath to our forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. The first principle from this scripture is he said, I got it out of my house. I took it out. I didn't want it in my house. I didn't want to eat it up while I was sad. I didn't want to eat it up while I was going through a tough time. I didn't want to eat it up. I removed it from my house. I separated the godly portion from my house house i got it out of my house and the reason i took it out of my house and brought it to your house lord is that i might be blessed let's look what's in the middle there we're almost wrapping up here verses 4 through 11 between those two verses we read the priest shall take the basket from your hand which has the first fruit to tithe in it and set it down in front of the altar of the lord your god then you shall declare before the lord your god my father was a wandering Aramean and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation powerful and numerous but the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer putting us to hard labor then we cried out to the Lord the God of our fathers and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery toil and oppression so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders he brought us to this place and gave us this land a land flowing with milk and honey and now i bring the first fruits of the soil that you O lord have given me place the basket before the lord your god and bow down before him and you and the levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the lord your god has given to you and to your household understand what was happening here was worship and tithing is an occasion of worship it's an occasion of remembrance and acknowledgement that this is from god it's the blessing and the favor of the lord hey guess what there's a lot of other things that we could preach to you today but the word of god is true and god wants you to understand that there is blessing available for your life there is favor available for your life if you'll respond to the word of god and the new testament isn't silent on tithing either we already mentioned in hebrews chapter 7 where it talks about the tithe that was given to melchizedek but in matthew chapter 23 verse 23 jesus said Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, 
judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Jesus was saying here about tithing, you ought to tithe. It's the words of Jesus. The one who saved me said, I ought to do it. Tithing is not a grim duty. It's not a dry religious exercise, and it's not a punishment. It is an amazing opportunity that brings huge benefit to the tither. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm so glad that I got this principle deep in my spirit. It's become part of the fiber of who I am. Amen? I give back to the Lord, and when I give back to the Lord, the blessings come back my direction as well. Amen? Praise God. The final point I want to make is that tithe is a benefit. Everybody say benefit. Benefit. In the story of Second Chronicles, we read about a king named Hezekiah. Now, one thing about Israel and Judah, they had a lot of, of bum kings. Kings that, like, took people away from God. You know what I'm saying? And reintroduced idolatry. I mean, you don't have to read very far in the Old Testament to find out that God's not cool with people worshiping other gods or making graven images or setting up stone images. But guess what these kings did? They just started ignoring God's law and they led Israel into idolatry. King after king after king. But there was in the litany of kind of bad kings that, initially, that eventually led to God's judgment of taking the Hebrew people captive into Babylon is there was a good king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king who was about returning the people to God. He was a king of revival and restoration and tearing down all the idolatry and the false gods and reestablishing uh, Jehovah worship. And uh, when he was reading the scriptures, which a lot of the other kings didn't do, he's reading the law and he realizes that the law instructs the people to tithe. And this generation that's been led by false kings into idolatry weren't tithing. So he recognizes this, and this is what he says in verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. And as soon as the commandments came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and of all the increase of the fields and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. So the king gave them the instruction, you should be giving the tithe to the priests. So they began to bring in the tithe, and they brought it in abundantly. They brought in the first tenth of everything that was produced. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated unto the Lord their God and laid them by heaps. Everybody say heaps. Heaps. In the third month, they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and finished them in the seventh month. That means they became, these heaps became enormous and huge. And when Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Verse 9, then Hezekiah questioned with the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we've had enough to eat and have had and have left plenty. For the Lord hath blessed his people, and that which is left 
is this great store? Amen. God says, what's, uh, Hezekiah says, what is going on here? I come by the tabernacle and the people have been bringing their tithes and it's heaped up huge. What's the deal here? He said, well, since you gave the command for people to begin to bring their tithe, we've had plenty to eat here in the house of the Lord. But not only that, but the people have been blessed, so blessed that now we have so much that we don't know what to do with all that we have been blessed with. Amen. So there are two benefits to tithing. The number one of the benefits is it's a benefit to God's house. It's a blessing to God's house. If God wanted to, he could have put a little coin bank hole in the top of this church. And whenever we needed money, he could have shot it down from heaven or put it over, put a big hose over into some place where there's a lot of resources and just let it pour into the church. But God's plan was that the kingdom of God would be advanced and built up by the hearts of people. Amen. And so it's a blessing to God's house. That's why in Malachi, he said, bring all your tithe into the storehouse so that there may be meat in my house. So the first blessing is a blessing to God's house. And the second blessing is a personal blessing. It's a blessing to me as well. Can you imagine what the body of Christ could accomplish if every believer was a tither? Can you imagine if every spirit-filled believer was a tither? How that, how that the church would have a great opportunity to bless other people, to have the staff that's needed to move the kingdom of God forward, the resources, the, the, the materials the buildings that's needed to move the, the kingdom of God forward, to bless world missions, all of these things that could be done if heaps would begin to develop on the floor of the Lord's house. Can you imagine if everybody embraced the principle, the word of God, the first blessing would be the kingdom of God would start to move forward. It would get in gear. If heaps begin to develop on the floor of the house of the Lord, there'd be staff, amen? There'd be opportunities for ministry. There'd be opportunities to expand the kingdom of God, amen? Because guess what? When it's a handful of people, eight or ten people that are carrying all the load of the kingdom of God, it doesn't move forward because that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. That's not God's plan, amen? And you say, well, I don't have much money to contribute. My tithe is a lot smaller than that dude's tithe would be. Well, number one, you, sometimes you judge what other people have, and they may not have as much income as you think that they have, but God's blessed them. Uh-huh. Amen. And the amount is not the important thing. What's important is your heart. Giving God an opportunity to bless, letting God use you in a special and in a powerful way. Amen. When we recognize that the first tenth isn't ours, it's God's. We're not going to mess with God's stuff. We're going to give back to Him, amen? The first tenth of everything, of all the blessing and all the provision that God gives you. And I could see the kingdom expanding at Life Church, staff and talented people, etc. But it all hinges on God's people embracing this scriptural principle. Do you know that the local church is the bride of Christ? Do you know that this church is the bride of Christ? We're not talking about the building or the organizational apparatus, but the church is the bride of Christ. I want you to imagine just a little illustration of story here. That there was a, a man of unimaginable wealth, very rich dude, just unlimited resources, that goes on a journey. He's going to be away for a while. 
and he has three men who he gives very special responsibility. He said, I'm hiring you to work for me. And each of you will receive $10,000 per month. You're going to receive at the first of the month a check of $10,000. What I want you to do is I want you to take $9,000 of that and spend it any way that you like. But I want you to take 1000 of what I send to you, and I want you to give that 1000 to my wife, who has to stay here for the meeting of her needs. Each of you get $10,000 a month. When you receive the money, give $1,000 to my wife. Take care of her needs. Take the other nine. Spend it as you like or as you need. Three months into his time away, he calls his wife and says, Honey, how's it going? How are you making it? She says, Well, the first guy that you mentioned is sending me $1,000 every month to help take care of my needs. The second person that you gave that money to is actually sending me $2,000 every month. And the third person, well, the first month they sent me $800. And then the second month they sent me $300. And then this last month I didn't receive anything. How do you think that that wealthy man is going to feel? He's a husband. He loves his wife. What do you think he's going to do? Hey, I'm the one providing money to these guys in the first place. I gave them $10,000. i am the one who gave them this in the first place. All I asked them was to give 10% so that there would be food in my house. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to send $10,000 to the first guy who was sending $1,000 to my wife. But that third guy who didn't do what I asked, I'm not going to send him anything. But I'm going to take the 10000 that I was sending him and I'm going to give it to the second guy because I know I can trust him to be a good steward of the resources I send him. Number one, he realizes it's not his. And number two, he's concerned about the welfare of my bride. He's concerned about the welfare of my bride. Hallelujah. This third man was doing the same thing as stealing from me. How have you robbed me? Of taking the tithe and using it for your own thing. So Jesus Christ has gone away for a season of time and he wants us to take care of the bride, the body of Christ, the church. Amen. And while I'm away, by giving $10,000 to my house, you can spend that 90% or 10% to my house. You can take that 90% and do whatever you you want all those who obey me will be blessed those who go above and beyond what's required will be will receive multiplied blessings but those who refuse to do the minimum not only will they not receive blessing but he will take away from them what they already have and give to someone else amen praise god hallelujah hallelujah i'm in covenant with jesus christ 
I'm in love with Jesus Christ. Uh, hallelujah. I decided to give my life to Jesus Christ. That's what happened when I repented. It wasn't just a sob story and a please forgive me, but it's my life is yours. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to send blessings your way. All you do is give back 10% to take care of my bride, my body, and I'll send blessings upon you. Hallelujah. Matthew 25, 29 says, take talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talent. For everyone who has will be given more and will have an abundance. Whosoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Amen. And I want to serve God and I want to do the right thing. And I want his blessings on my life. I don't want to be destroyed because of ignorance, because I don't understand. See, when you leave here today, if you choose to be ignorant, the Bible says, and we talked about in our Bible study this week, that this, the word of God is like a seed, and some of it, it falls on wayside ground, which means their heart is hard, and they don't even want to understand it. They're just like, talk to the hand. You know, I'm not interested in this. I've got other, other priorities to worry about. The seed's going to bounce, and the birds will come and take it. Jesus said that means the enemy will steal the seed and no blessing is coming. But I'm looking right now for good ground, hallelujah, that the word of God can settle in and the word of God can bring about a change in our lives because I don't want the spirit of the world to be upon me so much that I miss out on God's blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. I love you, my brother, but I want my blessing. Amen. I don't want my blessing to be taken from me and given to you because I disobey God. But I want you to be blessed. I want to be blessed. I want my family and my children to be blessed. And there's a simple principle in the Word of God that teaches us how this happens. And the blessed life begins with a heart that's committed to honor, obey, and bless the Lord with your tithe. I've heard testimonies before, and I've heard a lot of people talk about testimonies. There's testimonies of the tither and testimonies of the non-tither. Testimonies of the tither, testimonies of the non-tither. What's the testimony of the tither? Yeah, I got through, went through some tough times. Yeah, there were times when it was lean. But you know what? God has blessed me so much. You can't imagine the ways and the avenues and the pathways through which God's blessings have come into my life. I've been blessed. Amen? I've been blessed. That's the testimony of a tither. The testimony of a non-tither is always the same testimony. It's always the same. 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 Non-tithing believers. I can't afford to tithe. Are you, are you seeing a trend here? You can't afford to tithe. Let's scratch her. Can't tithe. We're going to talk later about the first principle. First to God will bless you. No, no blessing. And God wants to bless your life. It's just a simple principle. And there are benefits for the kingdom of God, but there are benefits for you personally that God will pour out on your life. He said, test me with this tribe and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessings that you will not have room enough to contain.
there's blessings coming, blessing in your relationship, blessing in your family, blessing in your household, blessing in your health, blessing in your resources and finances. The blessed life, amen, starts with this. Praise God. If you want God's blessings on your life, this is the first step. This is about taking care of the minimum and letting God's blessings begin to flow into your life. I want God's blessings on my life. And amen. I had a friend one time, he said someone came up to him right in the middle of the service, and it was kind of an embarrassing thing, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't embarrass anybody like this, but they came, he came up with his wallet. said, Pastor, I want you to pray God's blessings on my wallet on my finances, on my resources. And my friend, who's a good guy but kind of blunt, said, bro, I, that, that wouldn't work <laughs> because you're not tithing. And if you don't tithe, how can I pray a blessing on what God has cursed or what, said, what the Word of God says is cursed? If you want God's blessings in your life, you've got to take care of the first things first, amen, and get God's blessings on your life. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand our feet and let's praise the Lord together right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. See, the deal is, as a pastor, I want to let you in on a little something. I've got some privileged information that I get to observe. Um, my office and my responsibility as shepherd, I look weekly, monthly, every couple months, every half year. I look and I observe the giving and tithing records of people. And then I observe what's happening in their life. And it's like this testimony that I mentioned, it's so unbelievable. Brother Francisco gets a job while, while several people in his same school are getting laid off, he gets his first job the same week people are getting laid off. Amen? Bro, brother, brother Steele, I don't know if he's in here right now. Brother Steele, I remember when he felt God prompted him to go back to his engineering job. There was no job available. The next week, all of a sudden, there's a job available. An older individual passed away. There's a job available. See, the deal is, when... when when you have God's favor on your life, and it doesn't matter, it doesn't the economy, it doesn't really matter. Things that happen, it doesn't mean you're not going to feel the effects of it or feel the. But, but the reality is, God's resources and God's capability and God's blessings are, are immeasurable and untappable. And I want you to live in God's blessings. I want you to have God's. I'm not talking about you being wealthy and rolling and wearing Rolexes and big old gold chains and and just hanging and rolling, and driving your Bentley and all that. Life, so that God is blessing your finances. God's blessing your family. God's blessing. You got a smile on your face. You feel good. Amen. Hallelujah. You got blessings on your children. You got blessings on your destiny and your future. It's a practice. It's a challenge. There are times when it's difficult, but when you get it in your mind that every time I get a paycheck, it's another test. I got to take my test, and I'm going to find out whether I believe this is a blessing from God or whether I believe I did this myself. And when I recognize what it is then I open the floodgate for God's blessing into my life God said test me try me see if I'm not telling you the truth see if I won't open up the windows of heaven on your life and pour out blessings I want you to live the blessed life
Hallelujah. I'm not sure how to end this. We're running out of time. Come on up the front. Let's just stand together and praise the Lord. Let's pray together before we leave. Come on, come on, come on, everybody. Let's move to the front. Hallelujah. We're going to go home in a minute and have a great time in the presence of the Lord, with our family and friends. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. It's good to be with the family of God, isn't it? With our brothers and sisters. I want you to look at three people and give them a big smile right now. Big smile. Big smile. Big Holy Ghost smile. Come on, I want you to have that Jesus on the inside working on the outside look. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 I want God's blessings in my life and his favor in my life. Thank you, Jesus. If you got your wife or spouse nearby, husband and wife, just take them by the hand. We're going to pray together right now. Somebody's going to make a commitment right now before the Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I thank you today for your goodness and blessings. I thank you for your provision. I thank you for your protection, your protection on my family, your protection on my home. I thank you, Jesus. God, I want your blessings, Lord Jesus, to be in the life of my children. I want your blessings to be on my wife and my household, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, give me a conviction in my heart based on the word of the Lord, dear God, so that I would be a cheerful giver, Lord God that I would learn, Lord Jesus, to take hold of this Bible principle and practice it, Lord Jesus, and see your blessings, Lord God, begin to flow into my life, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've given, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, for your promises. I know some of us, Lord God, have been living a very frustrating existence. It seems like we can't get ahead no matter how hard we try. Lord Jesus, I want to move that aside. I want your blessing to be in my life. And Maybe I only make 100 bucks a week, Lord God, but I can tie on that. Or maybe I only make 300 a week, but I can tithe on that. Maybe I make 500 a week, but I can tithe on that. Maybe I make 1,000 a week and I can begin tithing on that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that your word promises that you'd open blessings up to us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would teach us these principles. Hallelujah. Let our heart follow our treasure, Lord God, to where you're leading us. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Oh God, we want to commit ourselves to you, Lord God, to walk in your principles to walk in truth, Lord God, to let your glory and your anointing be upon our lives. Thank you for truth, dear God. Thank you for the clarity of your word, Lord Jesus. I believe it, Lord God. I embrace it. Let a conviction, a building block be set in place, Lord God, to the furtherance, Jesus, of my experience with you. In the name of the Lord, I'm turning it over to you, Lord God. I'm turning my problems, my trials, my difficulties, my questions, my destiny, my future over to you, Lord God. I gave you this life a long time ago and I want to reaffirm today Jesus that this life is not mine it's been bought with a price you purchased it with your blood and I thank you for it Lord God thank you Jesus for what you're doing hallelujah
supply all my needs. He is my El Shaddai. He always looks out for me. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is a principle of the heart. I wonder if somebody can say, Lord, I give you my heart right now, Jesus. I want you to know that my heart is yours, Lord God. Hallelujah. I've committed myself to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to reaffirm today, Lord God, that I'm yours, Jesus. My life is yours, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for this, Lord God. All your blessings, and I recognize your position in my life, Jesus. I love you and want to serve you all the days of my life. Come on, lift up your hands. God's doing a work right now in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord God. Glory to your name. Let your will be done, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
pray for a few moments. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name if you need to go. If you want to praise the Lord for a few moments, you can. Hallelujah. Lord, with all my heart, Lord.
Thank mm -hmm. you.